Guys, Kevin Durant gave the Nets an ultimatum. Me or them? Should owner Joe Sy listen to Durant's demands? Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ to the Buffalo Bills. Oh, that's a big fat maybe. We'll tell you how we know. And is it panic time for Pats fans? Another way to say that sentence. How's Wilds doing this morning? Good <laughs> Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. Jenna Wolf. We got Antoine Walker in for Broussard, Kevin Wilds. Nick's already busy. What's going on? What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just scrolling through all of the awful (laughs) Patriots reports from yesterday. Worst offensive practice of a decade. Nobody can block anyone. McCorkle started to cry. I wow. McCorkle's crying. Wilds, what's happening? Uh, All right, we'll get to that. We got to start in Brooklyn, where things took a very dramatic turn yesterday. We now know what Kevin Durant actually wants. So, KD and Nets owner Josiah finally met face-to-face over the weekend. This according to the Athletics' Shams Shrania, whereby KD made his terms clear. It's me or it's them. In other words, choose to keep Durant or choose to keep GM Sean Marks and coach Steve Nash. So trade request, not retracted, reiterated, in fact, resulting in quite the mess in Brooklyn. Well, Joe Sy had this response last night. Our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Wow, what a great lead we have to bite into this morning. Nick, what do you make of KD's demands? Well, a number of things. First of all, it makes me sad that, you know, the audience has asked, some people have tweeted me, where's Brew this week? And, you know, I don't want to reveal Brew's personal details, but I will. I mean, he was in London (laughs) trying to arbitrate this meeting, hoping that Cy and Katie could come together. And, oh, it's not, I mean, you say it's not true. I say it is true. Brew brokered this meeting like an old mafia Don, thinking it could all come together. But unfortunately, the families are still warring. So here's what I've got to say, Antoine. I think Kevin Durant managed to checkmate a billionaire. I think Kevin Durant doing this, while I understand it might be unpopular and I understand it's going to cause a lot of hurt feelings, most notably from Steve Nash, who was his hand-picked coach, who Katie, right after the season, said he was dealt a ridiculously tough hand. What do you want from Steve? He might have torched that relationship. But Katie has now guaranteed that he will be traded. And here's, and that's what he wants. Here's why I say, Antoine, I think he checkmated him. If Kevin Durant actually wanted Steve Nash and Sean Marks fired in order to come back to the Nets, that would have been the opening salvo back in July when he had Rich Kleiman meet with Joe Sy. That was not it. It was simply trade me. But now we are six weeks removed from that, Antoine, and he has not been traded, and there are rumblings that, hey, they might just try to run it back. And now Kevin Durant, by making this demand and then very fortuitously having that demand instantly leaked, has guaranteed that keeping him is untenable. Joe Sy is not going to fire the GM and the head coach because of this. And I don't think you can ask the GM and the head coach, particularly Steve Nash, to work with Kevin Durant, whoever the whole world now knows 
wanted them tra- fired as a prerequisite of him coming back. So now I do think what he wanted, which is getting traded, he has guaranteed that it's going to happen. It had to get a little ugly, and maybe it'll get uglier. But Antoine, I'm of the belief that Kevin Durant did this strategically, knowing that Nash and Marks were, would not be fired, but instead he would get traded because of it. Well, Nick, I look at it a little different. Um, one, I, <clears throat> one, I was surprised that um, that he wanted out, and this was the reason why he wanted out. Um, I've been on Chris's side a little bit, and I'm going to defend Chris a little bit. I thought KD should try to run it back with Brooklyn. And then, obviously, after these reports yesterday, I, I see it's not going to be possible. So, But I look at it from a player's point of view. When you're a player, you get a coach and a GM that seems to want to do whatever it takes to make you happy contractually and to do whatever you can on the court. I don't see how you're upset with them or they're the reason why you want to get traded. So I'm baffled by um, KD saying that he wanted Steve and Sean Marks out because it seems like those two guys were behind KD 110%. And they've made some moves to try to really make this team better. Um, it's unfortunate the James Harden move did not work. That's a big-time trade. And add a guy like that, you would think he'll be able to work. Now, whether that was Steve Nash's fault, that he couldn't make that work offensively or figure out some the way that can work. And then, the obviously, adding Kyrie in the beginning was a, was a great move. Now, the only thing I can see up top that's a little shaky is, is the Ben Simmons situation because, you got ben, <clears throat> because ben Simmons got traded there and you didn't know if Ben Simmons – was going to um, play or not, and then obviously he ended up not playing and being a big saga too. So besides that, I think Sean Marks has done a terrific job of trying to build this team around KD, adding pieces. And then Steve Nash, a guy that gives you the offense and you, you can do what you want on the offensive end, I don't know why those two guys are the main guys that's forcing you to want you out. But I do believe this, Steve. I, I mean, uh, Nick, I believe this. I believe that he thought he knows that they were going to bring him back. And I think he's at a point where he knows he doesn't want to come back. And that's why Correct. he made the okay. stance yesterday. I, I do believe that. Okay. I think he knew they were going to try to bring him into training camp, see if they can make this work. And he's making a stance right now to make sure that they do not do that. Okay. So the only thing that has changed is that Kevin Durant has made an ultimatum. Now, allegedly, supposedly, Nick, Joe Sy has to make a move on that ultimatum. But I don't believe that ultimatum is real. If Joe Sy said, huh, you know what? We're going to keep Sean Marks. We're going to keep Steve Nash. And the deals for you still don't really make sense for us. So now what are you going to do? Because I think you think it's a uh, checkmate. I don't. I think Joe, I think it's a bluff. Because I, I still believe that Kevin Durant is not wired to sit out the year. So suppose Josiah does nothing. Suppose Josiah tells Sean Marks to say, you know what, keep looking for trades, see what we can get for a KD, but if it's not in the best interest of the team, let's go forward. Do you think Kevin Durant doesn't show up? Do you, do you think now no, I that think Kevin it's... Durant will say, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to stay at my house. I'm not coming to camp. I'm not going to play this year. I think it's untenable to ask Steve Nash to coach Kevin Durant. I do not, I think that if it was in, you know, variety, that I said either fire Wilds or trade me to, to Fox Bet to become their betting analyst. 
I want out of here. And they said, no, we're not trading you. Do the show with Wilds every day. You would sit, you'd be like, hold on a second. That's not right. That is not the, and I don't think you can ask Steve Nash to have this be public and then somehow have control of a team, somehow coach a team. And I think Durant knows that. And, and again, I don't want to become a Durant apologist here, but I don't blame him for not wanting to play for Steve Nash. Steve Nash was in charge of vibes. The vibes were terrible. Someone was in charge of defense. The defense was terrible. Theoretically, (laughs) Steve Nash should be an offensive mastermind. They don't run an offense. It's KD, go get a shot. Like the, the, the iconic image of the Nash Durant partnership is after game five against Milwaukee two years ago, Nash bear hugging Kevin Durant, thanking him for bailing them out. So I, I don't blame Kevin Durant for looking around and saying, yeah, you know, Boston, you know what they were running? Sets and plays. You know what we were running? Nothing. And so I just, I, Antoine, tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but it was at some point you crossed the Rubicon of, is this relationship tenable? And if you publicly say, I want to be traded because I don't want to work for Sean Marks, and I don't want to work with Steve Nash. The idea that Joe Sy is going to tell Sean Marks and Steve Nash, fellas, I have enough belief in you that I won't fire you, but not enough to where I'm going to show you the respect and dignity of moving on from a guy who has made, let the entire world know he thinks you're unqualified. I, and so I do think this trade gets done because of that. No, I, I think you got to add to this and we got to stop sugarcoating it. KD's upset that Kyrie Irving did not get a long-term deal. I think that's what you can get upset at with Sean Marks. And I'm not saying it's solely Sean Marks' decision to sign it, yet the owners have to sign off on it and the organization has to be behind it. But I think it brings light to that when you think about it, because Sean Marks hasn't done anything besides that situation to really grant it where you would want him to lose his job. This is That's the, the usual request. Oh, you want both of these guys gone. No, I mean, the Ben Simmons situation, adding that guy, adding Ben Simmons, and, and we all thought Ben was going to play two weeks into getting traded to the Nets, and it just didn't happen. So I think that that was something that they thought that Ben was going to play. But if you really think about it, you go into this summer, they didn't give K, get Kevin Irvin a commitment to, to long term. And if I'm KD, I'm looking at, well, I got four years left. You know I want to play with this guy, and you don't get it done. That brings up a huge argument to say, hey, the front office is not behind what we're trying to do. X's and O's, I'm, I, I think I'm a little different than you. I think many times you're a player and the offense is caved around you and, and everything, I, you should be happy. I know Steve Nash is a young coach, and then you got to give him a chance too. But you're one of the great – he's not doing anything, taking the ball at your hand. He's not like he's not made you the first option on the offensive end. <clears throat> he's giving you everything offensively so you can be a great player. So I don't know how you're upset with Steve unless you just realize he just can't get it done. In extra knows. I'm not, when obviously we're not in the locker room to know what's his shortcomings as a coach. It's, listen, this team's been full of half measures the entire time. They handed the franchise over to KD and Kyrie, and then they got squeamish about it this season, tried to pull some of it back, and that doesn't work. You can't fire Atkinson, hire Nash, sign DeAndre Jordan, trade for James Harden, and, and then be like, Kyrie, you're not allowed to play at all. 
okay, you can play some of the games. And then in your postseason press conference, talk about, you know, that we need to reestablish a culture. That is a direct shot at KD and Kyrie and they, and then not pay Kyrie. Whether you, whether those are smart decisions or not, that ended up leading us down to this road. The only thing I don't understand is why I'm seemingly one of the only media members that's happy we're going down this road. Fellas, we are going to get Kevin Durant on the Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving on the Los Angeles Lakers, and we're going to get Lakers, Celtics, KD, LeBron for Banner 18 in the finals. Everybody wins, I mean, nice. except for me and my Brooklyn Nets season tickets. That's the only loser. <laughs> season tickets. Why did I buy You'll those? You'll get to go see Ben Why Simmons. Why did I buy them? It's his team now. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. Tuan, we're going to see you in a little bit. Sit tight. Got to talk some football. Does Patrick Mahomes have any regrets about his most recent AFC title game performance? Trick question, because it's obviously a few. Dive into that next, first things first. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. First things first, we are now joined by former uh, NFL head coach Eric Mangini. Hello, coach. So uh, Patrick Mahomes made some headlines over the weekend in an article from The Ringer. The Chiefs all-everything quarterback detailed what went wrong in the second half of January's AFC title game. You know, the one where the Chiefs led 21-3 and then scored just three points after halftime and then lost the game to the Bengals of all teams and then missed out on a third straight trip to the Super Bowl. You know the game I'm talking about, right, Nick? You know that one. That's the, yeah, okay, and you're watching it. You probably know. Mahomes said this. The second half of that game, I don't want to say we relax, but I mean, when you lead like you did, you want to make sure you win the game, but you don't want to play like you're playing not to lose, and I feel like that's what we did. As a team, we were playing not to lose. We were playing just to get to the Super Bowl. Nick, what is your reaction to Mahomes' comments? Listen, I consider Patrick a friend. And it is the obligation of friends to tell each other when they think they're being dishonest. I do consider Patrick a friend. Patrick and I have spent a lot of time talking about Mavs basketball this offseason, Wilds. You mind your relationships, I'll mind mine, sir. You're not friends. Oh, okay. Oh, we're not friends. Oh, okay. That's fine. You know what, Wilds? Again, keep our personal lives off the show, my friend. Yeah, and we're not (laughs) friends. Some people that I do spend time talking about basketball with, I am friends. I consider Patrick a friend, and it is the responsibility of friends to tell each other the truth. 
And I don't think this is an accurate analysis. I think something very different happened in that game. I think the final two plays of the first half, when Patrick convinced Andy to go for it, particularly the final play, and then they blew it, set something off in his brain that then rattled him, and he didn't recover from it. And I don't think that's an indictment on him, the player, him, the person, what this year is going to be. But you, this was the first moment in Patrick Mahomes' career where in a big spot, the Chiefs lost, and it was because he didn't perform. Even I, I would tell people if they have time, if they have interest, go back and watch the Super Bowl against Tampa. Even when they're down three scores late and he's getting his ass kicked. Those passes are on the mark. He is doing everything he can do. That is not what happened against the Bengals. It was not a massive defensive breakdown. It was not some terrible luck. It was Patrick was, did not look like himself. And I think he was rattled. And I think for be in an odd way, Coach, I think the fact that they failed at the end of last year and Patrick's got to wear it, plus the fact that people are already anointing two or three quarterbacks ahead of Patrick in the league hierarchy, plus the additions to the division where the Chiefs aren't, in some markets, even the favorites to win the division, and the loss of Tyree Kill puts Patrick and the Chiefs in a very dangerous spot where they can convince themselves for the first time in five years, we are the hunters once again, not the hunted. And it's one of the reasons I'm so optimistic about this year. But I do not think that what he's saying is why they lost. I don't think they got uber conservative. I think Patrick picked or, you know, had a really rough moment to have the single worst half of his professional career. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Nick. I, when I saw these comments, I thought it was was a cop out in, in a lot of ways to say that that they weren't playing to win. That's taking the responsibility off of off of yourself. And and. We we saw it in in the Super Bowl where everybody criticized Atlanta because they they were too aggressive, and so you go to this situation and now we're saying you know it's a coaching <laughs> fault again because we're not aggressive enough or we're not playing to win and that that's not the case at all. I, but but a lot of this to me goes back to the early part of of Patrick's season, where where he was Superman and and everybody expected him to constantly be able to pull it uh, a rabbit out of his hat and make magic happen. And and they struggled. They struggled. What was it? Four and four through through eight games. He had 13 interceptions on the year, and ten of them were in that first part of the season. And then he had to take a step back and say, "Okay, I don't have to take all these chances. I don't have to do all of these things." And 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 then they they go on a, a, a significant run. And 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 to me, there, there's an evolution in a quarterback where you go through those hard times and you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And this is another part of, of that evolution where he didn't have a very good second half. And, and if he's going to grow, it's good, he's going to grow from, from owning that. And he's going to grow from realizing, okay, there's things I have to do better in, in those moments and not, oh, it was, it was the play calls or it was the approach. It wasn't, it wasn't me. So my read on this, Nick, was we were playing not to lose actually meant I was playing not to lose, that it wasn't about the play calling or the defense. But like you said, it's kind of a mix of what you said and what he said, where he, his mindset changed a little bit and he wasn't basically playing like himself. Now, spinning this forward, do you think he's going to be more aggressive 
and take more shots and play free, like you said, they're the hunters, not the hunted, or is it going to go the other way? Because when he has thrown interceptions, some of them were just like, you know, off of receivers numbers, but other ones were like almost in the grasp type plays where he's falling down and he throws it to the wrong team. Which way do you think he's going to go this year? Oh, listen, I don't think stylistically overall you remove the second half of the AFC Championship game, Patrick's going to change. Everyone talks about the interceptions last year. In this article is a fun stat. If he had that interception rate, those crazy interceptions, that interception rate for his career, it would be top 10 all time in the positive way for lowest interception rate. He doesn't, listen, the Chiefs at the end of last year were the most dangerous team in the NFL. Because through those first eight weeks, teams played the only thing you can try to do to stop that version of the Chiefs, which is drop eight people into coverage and dare them to take the underneath stuff. And once they started to take the underneath stuff, they were unstoppable. They annihilated Pittsburgh, and then they had one of the greatest playoff performances offensively ever in the final few minutes against Buffalo. And so what do I think they're going to do? what they have done the last four years, which is be the league's most potent, terrifying offense, even without Tyree Kill. And coach, we don't have much time here. I'll go to you quickly on it. I think that was a max, again, set the end of the season aside, the last half, a great learning experience of, oh, we can score 30 points a game without having 50-yard touchdowns. And once you show teams you will take that, then they are in a spot where, all right, how do we defend them? And I think that what they took last year, they're going to have to take a lot more of it because Tyreek isn't there extending the top of the defense. Yeah, it, it could be a function of taking short completions. It could be a function of, of running the ball. But there was a period during that time where, where Patrick talked about him having to make better decisions him having to do things better than he had been doing. And and he doesn't have a tremendous amount of, of, of interceptions by, by any stretch, but he had a tremendous amount of interceptions for him over that period of time, and there weren't a lot of good decisions. So I don't think it's just a function of, of what the defenses were doing and only taking the, the, short, the short completions. It is also a function of knowing when to extend the plays and knowing when to throw the ball away and, th and that's a hard line to, to, to figure out where it is when you're a player like Patrick Mahomes. Come on, I'm going to text him now. Say Wilds yeah. doubted our friendship. That's an outrage. <laughs> and his PR person will pass it along to him. Von Miller went from hey, LA oh, to Buffalo. You too, Jenna. Can OBJ <laughs> go from LA to Buffalo? We're back after this. We're running the no huddle. Here we go. Von Miller getting acclimated to his new home up in Buffalo during Bill's camp. Getting tons of love right there. Bill's Mafia, since he got there, posted this video on the gram yesterday. And one comment caught our eye. Free agent wide receiver and Von's former Rams teammate, Odell, OBJ. You've been lit, Von Miller. What's the locker next to you look like? Didn't take long. For Vaughn, after seeing that, to post this, and OBJ oh. Bill's Photoshop caption, no. OBJ, let's chase this ring. Again, that is a good Photoshop. I can't even do that. Ugh. Nick, you surprised Odell's pitching himself to the Bills? 
I, absolutely, I'd be shocked if he goes there. I don't think he wants to play in a small market. And if he wants to play in a small market with terrible weather, go to Green Bay where you'd be the number one receiver and you also could make the Super Bowl. If you're wondering why I'm talking so fast, it's because I'm really interested in our next story that we're talking about. So there's my Odell take. Coach, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's good to be catching what the locker looked like because, because he's not going to ever see what that locker looks like. Odell's coming off his second ACL injury. He's not going to be ready till uh, October. I understand why he would be pitching because, you know, at this at this point, I can't imagine anybody going to sign him prior to the season and have to guarantee his contract. You got to see how he comes back from the injury, how he comes back from a second significant injury like this, and I would imagine he'll 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 keep pitching, but it's not going to happen for a while. Yeah, well, I'll sign him. Hey, Bill Belichick. I don't know if you've seen any of the recent reports that are coming up later in this segment, but the offense is struggling. Looks like we can't block too much. Oh, now it's Maybe having Odell out there on the flat or ran, run whatever uh, Cowboys play that was with the Browns where he just kind of hand it to Odell and let him create some magic. Maybe that's something that we need. I do not want to see this at all. I'm already terrified of Josh Allen. I know we ask all these questions. Wilds, are you worried about this? Wilds, are you worried about this? And I'm like, no, no, no. Steady hand. But I am terrified of Josh Allen. At 28 points a game, the fifth most yards. I'm scared. Very scared. I don't want OBJ let's get to the main event. in the AFC East unless Roll he's on the a animation. Patriots jersey. Now we can move on <laughs> now to the main event. Well, Speaking of the Patriots. Let's get to it. Okay. Let's get Wild, to it. Wilds, I will yeah. have to ask you to please yes. remain calm so we can carry on during this okay. segment. Here we go. Reports out of Patriots training camp. The offense is still struggling to find its footing. How do we know this? Oh, there's a bevy of tweets. The offense looks broken, can't pick up a blitz, miscommunication, right? right? Mike Reese said it might be time oh, to give more? old old line coach Dante Scarnecchia a call. Sending oh. out an SUS. Save us, Scarnecchia. Nesson Zach Cox said oh. Mac took the first 20 reps of oh, 11 on Lord. 11s and that it was ugly. And finally, uh. Tom Curran describing the Patriots offense I mean. as distressingly bad. Now, there's just no more room on the screen. What we don't want to do is cover anybody's face. So we'll just leave it there. Kevin Wilds, is it time for Pat's fans to hit the panic button? Don't. No. Here's the thing. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, first of all, this, I usually, I just tell them not to, not to hear all the horrible takes coming out. This time I also had to cover his eyes. So I'm sorry. He's having a rough go of it. Now I will transition from petting a baby goat to having a real insightful analysis. Coach, Dante Scarnecchia. You're like, Kevin, Dante Scarnecchia is the key to everything. When they lost Dante Scarnecchia, take a step back. So I know that you value Dante Scarnecchia's opinion. He was quoted in a Boston Herald article saying this, quote, I would say, in fairness to everyone, I just think this is the wrong time to evaluate it. The pads have come on, but they're not playing real football yet. What doesn't look good in training camp early, emphasis mine, has no bearing on anything, a.k.a. Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. 
I'm not worried about it, coach. But I do have a question. It feels like we are switching our offensive uh, blocking from gap, gap runs to outside zone. Why are the Patriots having such a hard time adjusting to this? Okay, so I saw Dante Scarnecchia this summer. He he coached at my football camp. He looks great. He could easily come back and, and do some consulting for the Patriots. They'd probably have to pay him a ton of money to get him out of his, his, his beach house. You know, Charlie Weiss is available too, so you could probably bring him back as well for some for some insight. I, I don't think they're switching what they're doing in terms of, of the stretch running game versus gap trap. Now, maybe they're going to emphasize it a little bit more. I went back before the segment and looked at pro football focus, and they ran stretch run last year 54 times. You know they ran it against the most? The Dolphins. They ran it 12 times game one against the Dolphins. They ran it seven times the second time they played the, gol- the Dolphins. Maybe that's an element of it, too. Maybe they want to run a little bit higher percentage of it. But they have run a significant amount of zone blocking over the course of time. This isn't a a massive departure from from what they're doing. Maybe they want to emphasize a little bit more. That's part of training camp. You do add some things that you want to add to your system or emphasize things that you want to add to your system. But this, like now it's just piling on. Everybody's going to look at every single drill. Anybody drops anything, it's going to be the, you know, the sky is falling. It's now, now we're going to get, just get into a ridiculous level of scrutiny. Yeah, unless the offense actually plays well, but that's not likely to happen. Kevin Wilds, listen, that's a very interesting parlor trick Kevin Wilds just played, and I'm going to tell the audience what it was. Kevin Wilds has been running from this story like it's a house on fire for two days. Yesterday, (laughs) he vetoed us putting the word struggle in the show. Show me where it says struggle. Today, Wilds demanded if we're doing the story, we do it in a segment, not only where we're doing another story, but also said I should go first, guys. I'll tee Nick up. And instead, (laughs) he goes, hey, Coach Mangini, talk to us about the intricacies of offensive line protection and gap scheme versus zone blocking schemes. Maybe the old filibuster will come in and prevent (laughs) this from happening. Because while maybe you are like, oh, Phil Perry and Tom Curran, notable muckrakers going for the sensational clicks. What about this headline from Evan Lazar, who works for... The New England Patriots on Patriots.com. We read Jones looks out of sync and sometimes uncomfortable with what's happening around him. That is from the official Patriot website. Even poor Evan Lazar can't shine up this this performance so far. What, Wilds? Go ahead. Go ahead. Check Evan oh, Lazar. Yeah. Check Evan Lazar's LinkedIn. He may be looking for a new job. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's We're very smart. He's an excellent wrong. Twitter follow. You know, excellent guy. Growing pains. Growing pains. What is growing pains besides a mediocre 80s sitcom? It is the sign that you are getting better. That you mediocre. are going to come out on the other side stronger, taller, okay. more accurate, better zone schemes on our blocking. Okay. Not worried about it. Can I not worried about it? I know you want to get worried. It's Wait worried a second. Wait a second. I don't ask for much on this show, but one thing I do ask for is a level, a modicum of intellectual consistency. And if I was forced to discuss that Matt Jones's off-season, off-season, not even training camp, 
matter. That, oh, look at you. How many times yeah. did we run the video of him lifting and then the vid- this picture of him is cut though. up and then the video with the little, with the rabbit lens of him throwing the ball 42 and a half yards. And you, my friend, got all excited. And now you're arguing none of it matters till the game start. Of course it matters. The Patriots have an under-talented quarterback an overpriced receiving core, and the guys who are in charge of figuring it out are defensive and special teams coaches, and the opening results have been so bad that Evan Lazar was like, you know what, it might cost me my job, but it, it, my journalistic integrity demands I tell America what's happening. I, I won't be able to look myself in the mirror if I don't put on Patriots.com that Mac Jones has been terrible. So you know what? I would argue it ain't going swimmingly for your soon-to-be 7-10 and 10 New England Patriots. That's all I would argue, Coach. I think it's Kevin, I, lo- I love that you have a, a therapy baby goat that you like to pet during this segment, and you probably have the Mac-10 <laughs> yeah. cleats and the Mac-Attack ice cream and all that stuff that, that Mac no, Jones no, did no, during the offseason, which which doesn't really Your excite me. Um I, 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 I really don't like that. I, I don't like that early on. I think you know, Tom Brady Tom Brady did one commercial after he won the Super Bowl and included all of his offensive linemen. You know, like it's this just a, I guess it's just a different approach. Maybe I'm, I'm getting old. I, I don't think I, I don't think you can evaluate what's happening right now and and say definitively sound the alarms. There is going to be growing pains, and there is going to be times where the defense looks a lot better. Maybe that period that they were running was a blitz period, and those were things, and, and there were blitzes that that needed to be cleaned up. Or there, there could be a lot of reasons why that looked the way it did. I would say though, now that that the the, the media is on the the Patriots are in trouble. There's going to be a thousand tweets like this. There's going to be a thousand stories like this because it makes it makes it more exciting. But we'll. we'll we should hold our, our judgment here for a little while as opposed to, what is it, the second week or third week of camp? It, it's a little yes. too early to, to do that. Okay. A lot of thorns on that rose. But overall, the bottom <laughs> line is you're on my side and we should not worry about it. Thank you, Coach. My goodness. <laughs> I, had to, I got to beat up there. <laughs> All right, Kevin Wilds, go ahead and compose yourself. We're going to get back to the NBA. Kevin Durant giving the Nets an ultimatum, me or them. Should owner Josiah listen to Durant's demands? We discuss it next. First things first. Major League Baseball returns to the place where dreams come true. The Reds taking on the Cubs. It's one game only. It's at the Field of Dreams. Coverage begins Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Look at that. God, that's gorgeous. All right, time for stories to start your morning, sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve, and it is getting messy in Brooklyn. That long-awaited meeting between Kevin Durant and owner Joe Sy finally taking place over the weekend. This according to The Athletic's Sham Sharania, KD reportedly making his terms clear. It's me or them. In other words, choose to keep Durant or choose to keep GM Sean Marks and coach Steve Nash. So that trade request, not retracted, in fact, reiterated, resulting in quite the mess in Brooklyn. Josiah had this response last night. Our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. 
All right, Nick Wright, what do you make of KD's uh, demands? I don't know that he actually even means it. I don't know that he actually wants Sean Marks and Steve Nash fired. I just think he knows that by demanding this, they have no choice but to trade him. If Kevin Durant actually wanted Sean Marks and Steve Nash fired, then that's his opening salvo privately when he had Kleiman meet that's with right. Joe meet with management six weeks ago. It's like, listen, I, if those guys are here, I'm going to demand a trade. So make your move. But that's not what he did. He demanded to be traded. I'm sure thought he would be traded. He was not traded. There are now rumblings that he won't be traded. You know, there are people advocating for them not to trade him, none more loudly than our beloved Chris Broussard, who I'm not exactly sure where he is this week, but rumor has it he was the one brokering this meeting between Durant and Joe Sy over in London. I got to check his, you know, private jet tracker <laughs> to see if that's where Brew was, but I have my suspicions. And now, Wilds, Kevin Durant, I think, listen, it's going to cost some reputational points. It might cost him some friendships, but... Kevin Durant, I think, has checkmated the Nets because what you cannot do is acquiesce. I do not think you can say, okay, KD, we've done everything you've asked so far. It has worked out terribly. Let's go further. And you certainly can't do it after Josiah sends that tweet. And now, so what's the next option? Bring him back. Say, hey, Steve, we have full faith in you. You got to coach a guy who demanded you be fired. That's not tenable. And so this, to me, was the one move KD could make to guarantee the Nets take the best yeah. offer on the table at some point before the season for Kevin Durant, which guarantees he gets what he wants, which is out of Brooklyn. I think you make a great point that Kevin Durant might not actually mean this. Backing you up on that, this is a quote from April Kevin Durant on Steve Nash. It's his first real opportunity as a coach. I think he's handling it all perfectly, to be honest. Okay, Kevin, I'm going to take you at your word, fellow Kevin. If you're saying to be honest, I think you're honestly saying he's handling it perfectly. Nope, scratch that. August, I want the guy gone. So it's now getting really messy, Antoine, and a lot of people are getting a lot of mud on them. Kevin Durant is not only soiling the reputation of poor guys going to work without the Internet, but also Josiah now's decision-making is in question. Sean Mark's decision-making in question. Steve Nash's coaching in question. The roster of the Nets. Poor Ben Simmons hasn't played a game. Like, oh, I thought you guys were there for me. Like, when I came to Philadelphia and you wanted me there, you cheered me on, I had my beautiful Versace sweater. Nope. I don't want to play with that guy. Uh, meanwhile, the Boston is involved <laughs> in it, too. Jalen Brown is upset Boston because he was dangled out there as trade. So it's going to get messy. I think that Sean Marks needs to realize that it could get worse, and this could get even, like, it start to infect the season. So you have to sort of make take whatever the best offer is, try to do it this week, and see it, put Kevin Durant on a new team and hopefully start fresh for opening night. Well, I think you got to do it this week, Wiles. I think you do have to do it sooner than later. I think you have to sit down and see where you want to be at. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference and look at where you want to be. Obviously, you got eliminated last year, got swept. You was a seventh seed. I think they were a seventh seed last year. And then you got to look at the way you look at it. You got the Celtics. You got the Sixers. 
you got the Heat, you got the Hawks, you got the Bulls. So you want to know, do we want to be Bucks. in the mix? Do we want to be a – the Bucks obviously, is, is the favorite, is, is at least my favorite to come out the East. So you want to see where you kind of stack up at. But I think you do have to go back to those offers and you have to figure out, listen, we're not going to be able to have the price tag where, where it was at. We're probably going to have to settle a little bit. Let's see if we can get us an all-star back, a couple picks. Now you're not going to be able to throw in those extra role players and things of that nature, which you probably could do if this wouldn't have came out. You have to now take your chance and get a, a really good player back in return, look at your draft, try to get a couple draft picks, and figure out where you want to be at this Eastern Conference because you still have a roster. If Ben Simmons is healthy and Kyrie Irving is on the roster, you're still in, in pretty good shape to, to con- compete and probably be in the playoff play-in situation. So those are things you have to think about. But you have to make this decision now. Kevin Durant has put his, you know, obviously made his point. You can't bring him back. I think Chris was right, Nick, when I think they were thinking about really bringing him back and seeing if this thing can work. But obviously, KD, you know, obviously stopped that yesterday with his comments and, and putting the demand on Joe to make a decision. Yeah, and, and now, listen, and here's, I, I want to talk to America as a whole right now. Because the majority of America oh. is not in the position I'm in which is season ticket holder for the Brooklyn Nets. Those of us that are season (laughs) ticket holders for the Brooklyn Nets, this has not been a great six weeks. Uh, This was the old, you know, buying Bitcoin at 52,000. Like, well, it's only going to go up from here. Something, you know, someone also might have done. Like, eh, bad timing by your old buddy Nick Wright. But if you're not a season ticket holder for the Nets, do you know what the best possible outcome of this summer is? Kevin Durant going to the Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving going to the Los Angeles Lakers, and us being on a collision course for KD, LeBron, Kyrie, Lakers, Celtics, ring 18 on the line. Which, by the way, it would not be like when KD went to the Warriors and LeBron was still on the Cavs, where it was a fate accompli. You would have the Warriors saying, uh, we're going to have something to say about that. And Giannis saying... I'm going to have something to say about that. Uh, tell me the next time Kevin Durant beats me in a playoff series because it'll be the first time, in fairness to KD, they've only played once. But still, and the Sixers like, hey, we added, <laughs> we kept James Harden, added some pieces. And the Mavs being like, uh, we might have the best player in the whole league in Luka. It would be the best thing for basketball for Brooklyn to blow up. Because Brooklyn is not a contender, but they unlock other contenders. They are the, right now, they're a treasure trove of what could be assets, but they can't use them properly. So KD goes to Boston. Kyrie goes to the Lakers. Ben Simmons gets his own team. Maybe that'll be fun. And all of NBA wins. It's not great for Joe Sy. And Sean Marks, it's not, you know, it's been a rough couple months. And Steve Nash, it doesn't look too good for him. But for everybody else, Wilds, isn't this the best possible outcome, what Kevin Durant is doing? So, look, if, if you outline Celtics-Lakers, that were Durant versus LeBron's last <laughs> dance, or we're getting close to it, I, I think that would be magical. The question I have for you, I'll throw it back to you, Nick. Um, do you think Sean Marks lets his emotions get in the way a little bit? And like, all right, yeah, the Celtics package is the best, but ooh, that Oklahoma City Thunder package. Oh, this package from Sacramento. 
It's pretty close to being good. You've been spending too much time with Broussard. That doesn't happen. Guess, guess where NBA stars get to go, where they want. Guess who is the only person in the organization with more power than the owner? Kevin Durant. You know how I know it? Because he just flew to London, checkmated Joe Psy, and is now flying out of there. I got other places to be. Guys, it's the NBA in 2022. There's 10, there's 10 guys that control the world, and Katie's one of them. All right. Hey, Top Antoine, nine. thanks so much for hanging out with us today. That was fun. More First Things First right after this.